Good morning and thank you for joining this live BSI discussion on the fire safety industry and the IOT. I'm Emma Quigley and I'm here today to facilitate this discussion. The discussion will actually be chaired by our own David Mudd, Global Digital and Connected Product Certification Director at BSI. And we are joined by Adam Taylor-Drake, Head of Internet of Things at ACO, a subsidiary of EI Electronics. And another Adam, Adam Richardson, Operations Manager at the Fire Industry Association. And we'll meet them more formally in a few moments. So I'm going to hand you over to David Mudd. Thank you, Emma. And a um, bit of finger trouble already there this morning, trying to hit on the meet button. Apologies, everyone. Um, good to see everybody back. Um, and really good to see not just um, attendees from the UK, but from across Europe and Asia Pacific region as well. So showing really that this is an important issue that we're hoping we're bringing clarity to. Um, so thanks everyone for joining us and um, thanks to the two Adams as well. And we'll, I'll be bringing um, Adam Taylor-Drake in shortly to talk more about the work that um, ACO EI Electronics have been doing and Adam uh, Richardson from the FIA as we bring this really to the wider audience. What I wanted to do to start off with was just to um, reflect again a little bit on the on the story so far. So a little bit on the, um, the, the issues that we've discussed to date and since then hopefully you've received some of the further assets from us as well. So the story so far, at the previous webinar we kind of brought to light that there's in, uh, imminent regulation within the UK around all consumer IoT, uh, but that wasn't necessarily the whole story. The backdrop to that really was the increased uptake of connected devices, and in particular we'd seen in the last 18 months through the lockdown period, and also then the in increased, significant increase um, attacks and threats against IoT over that same time period, and how that Every progress and step forward that can be used for good can also be used for bad. So you now have extremely automated, extremely effective um, bad actors out there. Um, the threat is very real and that every, you connect a device to the internet, it will be attacked. Against that, we then said, okay, so if we look at regulation, is that is that the story? And the regulation, as I explained, that is inevitably a compromise at the entry level what is the basics that we could get the industry to comply with to start to have some effect? But we then looked at the standard landscape and seeing that the regulation is one small part of one group of activities that effectively becomes best practice for um, security for IoT devices. And just having the regulation is a subset of that, but nowhere near enough, certainly not for any devices such as those that are um, offering um, life protection kind of services as we are here as well. So therefore there was a need not to, to acknowledge the regulation there, but to go beyond that and look at what best practice really meant. And when I'm looking really at some of the uh, things we've shared with you since then, hopefully you'll have received these items and given you a bit more of the background information. So the what we've shared so far really is a checklist that talks through effectively that best practice around devices and how to take those first steps forward that takes the regulation and goes beyond that. And then secondly, we also shared with you some um, lessons learned. So you can see in the real world where um, products don't necessarily have these basics, what's the impact of that? 
of the product and on the organization as well. And now I just wanted to bring it to life again with something that's really just happened over the last few days that really once again shows um, the scope of the problem we're dealing with here. So this is a story that hits the national media in the UK around millions of um, routers in everyone's home and a vulnerability, a serious flaw. And here's a quote from the article. The vulnerability could have affected anyone who had not changed the router's default admin password. So once again, we've got products going out there from manufacturers, providers that have been prominent in this market for years, if not decades. And still some of these basics are not there and leaving consumers extremely vulnerable. But another key point is it's not just around the ethical hack. How did this get to be on BBC News? And if you look here, this came through um, the security researchers at Pentest Partners. Um, and so they found this flaw, took it to the manufacturer, and it took well over a year to fix an easily exploited flaw. And that's quite simply unacceptable. So because of that poor response, this ends up being a newsworthy item. And you know, you there in the audience as manufacturers, think about the reputation to you personally, to your organizations, were you to put products out there that have issues and then don't have in place the mechanism to respond effectively, not to an, a criminal hack, but to security researchers who do a great job, fantastic job in bringing issues to the notice of manufacturers and giving them the opportunity to respond before criminal activity um, truly destroys both their products and also potentially um, extreme damage to their, their clients, their customers as well. So something to think about there, really now, everything that we've been saying around best practice brought to life yet again in the present, here and now, how having some basic security flaws and inability to respond to effectively to security researchers results in something being blasted all over the national media. Taking a step back then, in terms of the assets we've sent out to you, just going to jump onto a quick poll now. Um, just to find out whether you received them and, and what you've um, thought of them. So um, in the meantime, keep also keep the questions coming in. But uh, over now, Emma, if you could just go through the poll um, and we'll just see what those in the audience have to say really about the assets we've done so far. Thank you, David. So um, hopefully those in the audience today have received some of the information from us, if not all of it. So we just want to find out what you thought of those assets. Um, and we're referencing here the five lessons learned and the um, checklist against the Etsy standard. So were they very useful um, as input to our product design and management? Useful, but we're confident we've addressed the issues of interest, but not relevant today or not yet received or reviewed. So I'll just give a few moments for people to vote on that. We're hoping that you have receive them and have found them useful and um, if you're newly joining us today we'll make sure information is available as handouts at the end for those that haven't yet and have only recently joined the discussion and the debate so if we have a quick look and uh, see what's out there so ah that's quite reassuring <laughs> so 30 percent said they were very useful input to product design and management 20 percent useful but confident we've addressed the issues 
and then um, a zero for of interest but not relevant today and 50% have said not yet received or reviewed so as I mentioned before we'll either get those to you but we can make information available in handouts as well and there's um, more assets that we want to share so I'm going to hand back to David. Thank you Emma and um, it's great to see that um, for those of you who've been able to um, receive and look at the documentation that you have found that um, useful at the very least and good to see as well that um, quite a number of you are confident that you uh, had the necessary mitigation around those issues in place. That's uh, really encouraging. And further to that effect, what I want to do now is introduce Adam Taylor-Drake from the ACO team, um, who we've been working with at BSI for quite some time, supporting them on their journey through bringing uh, the benefits of IoT in the connected world to their solutions, to their clients. Um, and it's been quite a journey that they've taken methodically, effectively, and some lessons learned along the way. So be very interested um, now to hear more from Adam Taylor-Drake. And I'll just pass over to you, Adam. Um, we'll be chipping in with questions. Obviously, we're fully aware that there are some things that will be um, sensitive and will be difficult for you to disclose. but as we discussed, I really appreciate you opening up as far as you can to share with you your lessons learned. So, um, Adam, over to you. Thanks, David. Thanks for that introduction. And um, it's a real pleasure to be, be back here. Um, quite enjoyed doing the webinar we did with you a few weeks ago. Um, but, but yeah, so um, hello, everybody. I'm, I'm Adam Taylor-Drake, as David said, Head of Internet Things at Ego Home Link. And um, yeah, so I'm just going to talk to you about the, the, the journey that we went on uh, as a business. Um, in, in achieving the, the BSI kite mark commercial level for a number of our products. So, um, yeah, I'll just start with a little bit of um, background about who, who we are for those that aren't familiar. And if you could have the next slide, please. Thanks. So, ACO is part of the, the group of EI companies, um, and uh, ACO is the, the market leader in Europe for fire and CO safety. Um, and the, the part where I fit in is uh, I, I'm in the home link part of the business, which is the IoT and data analytics under the social housing um, uh, part of the business. So ACO, uh, home link was acquired by ACO in 2019, and we've been working together um, since then to, to, to build this you know, fantastic IoT product and, um, and get it out there in, in, the, in the UK social housing. So, um, yeah, if I have the next slide, please. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about what the, the driving forces were for um, EI and, and ACO to, to undertake this, this uh, BSI certification. So um, as some of you will know, um, EI has been producing some of the, some of the, the best built and designed uh, fire and, and CO uh, detection devices for, for decades. And you know, part of that is, is a responsibility to, to innovate and to, and to keep up with the, the pace of change. And you know, it was quickly identified that, that the future for the product was a connected product that would fit into the kind of the smart home narrative and would also add value for operations in terms of how a landlord manages their stock and all the connected devices. So you know, it, was, it was a sort of inevitable uh, that they would end up bringing out a, a, an IoT product of some kind. Um, so well, one of the main, main, main driving forces that, that uh, caused us to go down this route was, you know, in, internal and external concerns over platform security. So um, there's a whole host of 
perceived fears that, that, that you know, engineers have day to day, customers have, um, that, that, are, that are talked about in the media. I mean, David gave a, a great example of that, that sky vulnerability um, just, just previously. So, you know, part of it is obviously there's some substance there, you know, want to build a, a great product that's safe and secure, but also there's this um, uh, part of addressing those fears and concerns. Um, and, and secondly, uh, you know, as a business, we wanted to do more than just best practice. So for, for, for decades now, EI and ACO have really led the way in terms of, you know, setting the standard for the, the quality of the fire and CO uh, products that, 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 we're, that we're making. Um, you know, we don't, we're not driven by what competitors done and, and, then, and then, you know, try and, try and innovate there. We're, we're, we're really um, dedicated to kind of setting the bar and, and, and you know, making sure that our products are, are the best. So a huge part of that is how do we look at, at IoT security and, and, and product safety and product security? So British Standards is a massive part of that. And, you know, our products are certified to BS5839-6 uh, um, and uh, 50292. Well, not certified, sorry, but those are the standards that we work to in our industry for fire and CO protection equipment. So it stands to reason that we would then look to the BSI Kite Mark, you know, the same organization, the same high level of, 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 um, of detail and quality for, for a standard when it comes to the things that, you know, the new features that this product is going to have. So I think the whole, the whole driving force behind that was really, you know, what is the, what is the widely, most widely established uh, best practice that we can do? And then can we go further than that? And I think the BSI Kite Mark was, was the obvious option. Um, and, and just finally, you know, I've mentioned it before, but, but customer expectations and requirements are, are constantly building. So um, even before I, I, I worked for the, the EI group, you know, I, I was bringing products to market and a lot of, a lot of tenders, especially in, in local government and, um, and, and national government contracts, start stipulating things like, um, you know, uh, cybersecurity best practice. And uh, I think there was before secure by design was, was, was a thing. There was a, a, an expectation that um, hard, uh, software, so cloud, you know, any, any portals, any, any apps met a certain standard, but there wasn't really an emphasis on any of the hardware, the firmware, all of the kind of supporting infrastructure. So that's a massive thing about the, uh, the, the BSI kite mark for us that, you know, it addresses the entire ecosystem. It's not just the, the, uh, the parts that the user might see, it's the hardware, everything that interconnects with the hardware and all the kind of um, processes that are going on behind the scenes. So, yeah, um, it, it's, becoming, it's becoming the expected norm with, with customers and um, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's the right thing for the industry. So that's, that's, that's in a nutshell why you know, we went down that route. Uh, yeah, so thanks, go the next slide. So just a, a little overview of the, the, the four products that went through the, um, the commercial level Kite Mark certification. So uh, at the core of all of this is the, the EI1000G, the, the gateway device. So this is the, you know, the equivalent of this would be your kind of smart home hub um, in, in, a, in, sort of the, in sort of the domestic market. Um, this is the device that bridges our existing local range radio devices in the home to the web via a cellular connection. So obviously it's the, the most important part from an IoT perspective. It's, it's, the, it's the part that would traditionally have the most um, attention from, from uh, malicious actors. It's also the part that has the, the biggest scope for 
something going wrong. It's 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 the it's the it's the part that extends our threat surface, if you like. It's the it's the the, the product that we put out there, uh, you know, in its millions, and it's sitting there in in a home, and we can't do anything to protect it other than the work that goes into the design and the monitoring and all of those things like updates. So, and then the next three products are parts of the ecosystem that support that. So, the 3000 MRF is a, it's a module that allows us to add um, essentially IoT connectivity to existing, uh, I don't want to say dumb, but existing non IoT fire and CO devices. So, it's a sort of modular approach um, that allows us to expand that offering. So, you know, customers don't necessarily have to throw away the whole. Um, whole system, they can actually up upgrade an existing system. And the other two devices are a similar vein, so adding connectivity to that um, local radio network, which then has a, a solar backhaul. So that's it in a nutshell from the hardware side. Um, on the next slide, I'll just talk briefly about the, uh, the the portal. So this is the um, the part that the, oh, sorry, no, this is just a, a, an overview of the kind of the connectivity and um, compatibility of our system. So, you know, through those modules and the gateway, we're able to offer connectivity across a huge range of devices. So it's not just limited to, you know, one new device. But um, yeah, thank you. And uh, just on the next slide. So yeah, uh, all of this culminates in, in the portal. So this is the, the interface that the users see and, uh, and our customers, you know, get, get value from. So this is where they can monitor the status of all of their work. Devices. Um, when, when, does, when does the device need um, updates, for example? When does the device uh, need to be replaced at the end of its service life? And any kind of active messages about alarms going off, heads being removed, that kind of thing. So yeah, the whole uh, the whole ecosystem from you know firmware sitting on the on the piece of silicon all the way up to the, the cloud and the and the backend infrastructure to the final user interface at the very end. So that's the that's the real the the value for us is that. It's a certification um, that covers the entire landscape, not just one certification for hardware, one for cybersecurity. It's it's a it's a complete um, a complete picture. And I think that's it for my my slides. Um, Thank you very much, David. Yep, Th thanks, Adam. Before I come on to um, the next section, actually, just gonna if I want to do this, I'll just go back to go back to this for now. Just say we're we're still focusing on you at the moment. Um, Really, really interesting. A few points there. Um, I know that we have obviously. I engaged. I was working with the team, uh, the EI team, back in Ireland. You know, right at the very outset here. And I think what we've seen is one of the key. One of the key issues is where security fits on the on the kind of priority for the organisation. Are you able to share really that your lessons learned? Um, you know, in terms of going through the certification process, you know, changes that had to be made, this kind of thing then as well, or, you know, what are you able to share there in terms of how that actually progressed for ICO? Yeah, um, it's a really good, really good question. So um, the, the engineering team that, that developed those those products, um, you know, generally they were, they were very delighted that um, there were very few minor modifications uh, required. So, um, Bit of a testament to the kind of work they were doing already, but um, I think you know the the, the, the sort of um, the extra sense of, of uh, almost it's almost like an extra piece of insurance that that nothing has been missed. I think that was the the, the sort of the, the, you know the, the overall feeling that came out of this. Um, but in terms of lessons learned, I mean, the company long before I got involved, the company were already 
pioneering regular updates uh, to the firmware. I mean, we're currently on a very, <laughs> we're on quite a high uh, firmware version number, which is great because it shows that, you know, we are um, addressing issues that might come from a manufacturer. It might be something that's publicly known about. It might be something that's been um, designed as an added improvement to security. But uh, I think a lot of that way of thinking was um, was inspired by the work that was done to achieve this certification. So I think it's, it's probably a lot of engineers, you know, very focused looking at their, their one piece, taking a step back and looking at the wider picture, how it all interconnects. I think that's that's the probably the, 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 the biggest uh, takeaway from, from you know, speaking with the teams that were involved. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, being a, a an ex software as well as hardware engineer myself, it's very easy to say, oh, it's only software changes and fully understand the scope of um, developing, testing, and um, promulgating out an effective software change. But the fact that there weren't any significant hardware changes required was down to the fact really that the engineering team engaged early on and looked at the secure by design principles. And that's really one of the key lessons. And I know some of our other clients have struggled where they've had to um, consider the requirements we're looking at for best practice um, later on in the design process when they've already got some fundamental um, hardware issues to resolve. Again, it's all doable, but far, far easier if, like with you guys, I think I'm trying to think it was probably three years ago, I first had the meeting with the team in Ireland and we kind of looked at the secure by design aspects and that really made a difference, I think, into your ability to get to the point of being certified um, I won't say painlessly, but relatively painlessly, certainly in, in terms of, of hardware modifications. And, and you're right, um, when we've, we've been talking largely around consumer IoT, as that's where the regulation is, but certainly within BSI, we've looked at all kind of best practice that's available that, um, that goes beyond those baseline requirements at consumer level to what's appropriate for um, different risk levels, looking at more wider business level operations and certainly um, products like SmartLink here, um, you know, we were looking at the overall size, scope and threat and could see that there were, there's going to be a tougher requirement needed as the attack, type of attack, the um, both the type of attack in terms of the attack vector, but also the potential power weight or whatever of the attacker as a business, as a attacking a business rather than an individual home would be greater. Um, and this can be brought to life in a whole load of different ways. I think a simple one would be around passwords, where it may be the consumer IoT, the IoT standard says no default passwords. But when we are assessing a system like this, we're also looking at password strength and um, resistance to brute force attacks, a reset, and, and whole, how well those passwords are managed. So. The same issue of passwords yeah. will be addressed differently for a purely um, residential and consumer product than it will be for a more wider platform and um, um, commercial product like this. So the work that the ICO team had to do was considerably above that what we would apply to a purely um, a, a purely consumer product. And as and as Adam was saying, we're looking really across the whole system there. Um, it's interesting as well. You're saying about the, um, you know, the, the scare stories and, and um, two things: one around the scare stories, and secondly around 
the um, specifiers sending you long checklists. I kind of forgotten actually, that was one mm -hmm. of the issues right back a couple yeah. of years ago that we came across was that with all the media that's going, all, all the media stories we're here right now, the knee-jerk reaction, certainly from any specifier organization, in particular, you know, government, this kind of thing then as well, where we're looking at you know, larger projects rather than just an individual residential home, was what do I need to do? I need to have as big a possible checklist to make sure I covered every single option. And then there is, it makes it difficult for the specifier to make sure they've covered everything so that list grows and grows. And it gets difficult yeah. for manufacturers because there's a never-ending never ending, um, goal to be chasing here. So how did that, can you just explain again how that manifested itself originally in terms of the kind of requests that were coming to you to demonstrate and, and how that now works more effectively? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a case of the, 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 the specifications and the requirements that were being put forward were, you know, <laughs> very very stringent in terms of what was expected but i think as i said before um a lot of it focused very much on the sort of our software side of things so you know a lot of especially in my previous experience uh, as well which i think is, is relevant to this you know a lot of um discussion centered around things like um you know the, the, the web experience support or all of the user management side of things but you know potentially you can have more of an impact on the firmware side in terms of security and addressing vulnerabilities and having having that be examined with the same level of detail. So I think, it, you know, that it was three or three years ago or so, it was just about the time when that was starting to come into the kind of wide, wide um, mainstream discussion about cybersecurity and IoT. Um, I mean, you know, manufacturers have been building secure devices for, for, for a long time, it's nothing new, but it was more that it applied to specific markets and um, with the added pressure of the consumer IoT uh, regulations that you know are on the horizon that some are some are coming into force now um so i think you know e even all the things we've been talking about i think that they're, they're, they're possibly even more relevant to um manufacturers operating in, in the kind of in the consumer space in the domestic space because as consumers become more aware of these risks and challenges they it may be that you know in the same way that there's a huge amount of um uh very very stringent requirements around things like food for example so people now know what they want in a, in, a, in, a, in a meal, you know, in, in, in terms of nutrition. And, uh, you know, I think people are going to start doing the same thing with, with their technology. They're going, to, they're going to demand secure devices. They're going to demand a certain standard. And, you know, just like the health warning on unhealthy foods, there'll be something where people start to know, you know, what, what to avoid as a product. And, and even though we, we sell to uh, large customers, large landlords, we still have, um, you, know, every, every, you know, people at the end of the day who have these devices in their homes, um, we do a lot of outreach with those with those users, those sort of um, uh, the the residents that are in the houses, to make sure that they're you know they know how the data is being used and how it's being collected. So it's all yeah, it's all it's all connected. And I think if you can show that you're on it, starting from a very secure foundation, it just it just adds to all those um, layers higher up. Yeah, thanks, Adam. That, that's again a really good point, and uh, I think I mentioned that in the previous webinar that um, a study from UK government DCMS showed that increasing awareness and expectation from consumers that products would be brought to the market with those basic set of controls, security controls in place, and sufficient information would be given to them to allow them to make a sensible decision around how long that product was going to remain secure. So that kind of brings, brings us on really again to when we're looking at 
the device level here and bring that point again around regulation and best practice just to bring back again i will keep ramming this point home so many times but those first three points in the center are the proposed regulation and the remaining 10 around them are best practice here at the device level and um, we can see even just in the last few days um, top name broadband providers for been around for decades still failing effectively on the first two points here hmm. of the regulation yeah so there's obviously a long way to go now i know i can see that 20 percent of you uh so 20 percent of those out there in the audience today are comfortable you have these things in place um one thing i would say is when we have gone through um certification with manufacturers every product that we test tends to come from the background like ICO, like you just heard, where they've considered security from the outset, largely. They certainly have looked at what best practice means and checked through they've applied that and then come to us really for independent certification. And as you know, Adam you know, said there, there were some um, software changes to be done, despite that, weren't necessarily significant. But you know, just like with ICO there, every single product we test we find something and the only products we are testing are those from manufacturers like ICO who are responsible taking a proactive position on this investing in the resource the technology the time effort and money to make the product secure and we're still finding issues um, so this is very much a learning process for everybody going forward and that best practice i think where we go with that from the product side of things and when we're assessing things from a kite mark perspective, we also take it beyond the device and look at how that ecosystem is managed as well. Where do we really go as an industry here? There's a heck of a lot within the FIA forum that we've, we've discussed over the last few months really around the requirements for commercial systems, consumer systems, what standards are involved. Um, it seems like uh, an ocean to boil to use um, very overused cliche. At this point, I want to bring in Adam Richardson as well, really, to to get your views, Adam, as well, um, on what's the impact of, of what we've discussed in the last couple of webinars, the case study here, and the materials then around, you know, the lessons learned. As far as you're concerned, from from the FIA perspective, I'll just start okay. sharing the screen so we can see everyone's bright, shiny, happy faces. So, Adam, initial thoughts from you, really. Well, so my name is Adam Richardson, as Emma said at the start. I'm the operations manager, but also the secretary to the IoT forum. So what I've seen in the last few webinars and the handouts between the FIA and the BSI, with companies within the fire industry are really now starting to have the tools in place to be able to push their IoT services and products forward in a way that gives customers and their end users confidence and trust in their solutions be that an FIA IoT forum where we share, discuss and promote uh, all sorts of lessons learned and best practice with IoT. But now with the BSI Kite Mark is a clear way of getting rid of all of those long checklists that you talked about earlier, David, and having one clear sign of uh, confidence in the solutions that our, the fire industry companies uh, can provide. But then also in the longer term view, with the task groups that self-running within the IoT forum that are working on in-depth technical guidance and best practice guides for specific areas 
and in-depth problems within IoT within fire. So coming, we've come a long way, I think, over the, the years from companies perhaps not knowing what best to do and where to start, to now having a lot of tools at their disposal to be able to start making or continuing their journey with IoT. Yeah, thanks, Adam. And I can say to the audience out there, any questions, views and opinions from you at this point would be much appreciated because we're kind of at a, uh, a key stage, really, in how BSI and the FIA work together to really help promote best practice and allow the industry really to effectively capitalise on the opportunity that all this connectivity can bring in, um, in a safe and secure manner. And that really is the fundamental aim of the collaboration between us here. And obviously we can say, you know, the Kite Mark process, you know, it's there to be pragmatic, focused on delivering trust around that. But, you know, there are loads of things before you can get to that stage that are totally free, best practice, best advice that we can share. Our job here is to bring the cyber hygiene level of everybody up to where it becomes a um it just becomes part of your normal business to actually engage address these issues and then something like the kite mark is the route really to differentiate demonstrate excellence and, and really help stand out from that but the other key point adam mentioned there really is the the wider aspects around you know the, the complexities of the commercial systems here and how we can look at what that landscape looks at and that just like with everything else that BSI develops in terms of our schemes that's really down to the industry all the key stakeholders in, in the industry to agree what pragmatic best practice looks like and everything that just to re recap on that again everything that we've done around kite mark for instance that's not BSI in standing in our um, ivory tower in Chiswick in the, the 16th floor building thinking this is a great idea. It's come through workshops with the organisations like the FIA, with organisations like ICO, and with many others of you I, I know who have signed up to this webinar have previously helped input and shape these schemes. So we're not here to say to you this is the best way to do it. What we're here to do is share with you all the various options, look at the different standards that are available, the risk that there's the effort required to implement these controls and just help shape collectively, get consensus best practice of this is how we're going to do it. We can all see there's great opportunity, much, much wider opportunity for using connected technology within fire safety protection, detection um, and handling all the way through the process. Um, and it's down really to the industry to collaborate with the FII and BSI in helping drive that forward. In the short term, whether you're a manufacturer that is one of the 20% uh, who are feeling on top of this and you know, you're confident you've got the issues addressed, the 30% who are still working on it, there is so much more um, um, free guidance that's out there and then also within BSI, we've got a whole range of options that we can work with you on it. One of the key things actually is, um, Adam Taylor-Drake was mentioning around issues around the hardware. And, you know, we've had cases where we basically pull the data off the chips that are on the device and have a look at what we can find and what we can get into from that. And as Adam said, a lot of the 
a lot of the focus previously has been on the back end, the infrastructure, the software. Um, but we can, at the device level, do some, and at the device level and at the internet facing um, ecosystem level, do some very quick basic checks that have been a real eye opener. So we have basically some foundation testing that we can do that is relatively simple, straightforward, and we're just taking all the key issues that we've found over the last four years, condensing them into a subset of tests that would be, if you can get through this, you're kind of 80% of the way there. So several steps we can do here, Adam. We're obviously, we've got to look at um, how we collectively engage with the industry to look at that wider problem of the commercial side of things. We've got ongoing awareness. I know that, that BSI and FIA are very, very keen to work through next year. Um, we within BSI have got a whole range of, of solutions that, that we can offer FIA members as well. How do you how do you see we can best move ahead here? Some practical next steps to really help move things forward. If we look at the audience there, we've got 30% are saying, okay, they've read some of the info we've got here and they're obviously actively working on it. We've got 20% and saying, okay, we think we're pretty comfortable here. And you know, others, you know, maybe anywhere between that, just not the material yet. So there's obviously a range of um, engagement levels and skill levels out there. How can, what, what do you see? What do you want to hear from the audience about what we can possibly do next to really move this forward? I'm struggling to know which Adam you're speaking Sorry, to. Adam, oh, Adam Richardson, FIA, apologies. Um, that's okay. My first thought would be how we're going to get the resources into the hands of the people who have yet to receive it. I think that's the biggest thing we could do. So it'd be great to hear what's the best way to communicate with them. I would propose if you're an FIA member to join the FIA IoT forum where BSI are key partners are in it and participate heavily, which is a way of getting all the resources you need and the tools that we've spoken about today. That'll be my first point. Um, but beyond that, it'd be great to know from the 30 and 20% who found it very useful or somewhat useful, I think, with the words, and um, what else you need next beyond what we've done. Because we're guided, as David said, by the workshops and by our members from what we do at the forum. Um, so as long as you can tell us what you need and how we can best provide it, I think that's the best step moving forward to get it to the hands of those who haven't had it and then engage with the ones who have what more we can do. Thanks, Adam. That's, that's a really good point. And um, I can ask um, Emma and the team, the BSI team as well. I know we've got the assets to date, I believe, are now in the handout section. They should be readily available to those of you who have joined us today. Um, and it's a very good point. We like to hear from the audience out there, and we will certainly take up to those with those who have signed up so far. Um, what is the best way to disseminate this information? We have got more assets in development, and Emma, perhaps you want to just want to talk about um, how we manage that communication and, and um, about the assets that, that you and the team are working on right now as well. Yeah, of course. We've, we've made um, the assets that we previously shared, it would have been via email to um, anyone that joined our, what we have called our Master's Academy with um, BSI and the FIA. So we made those available as handouts. There, there are more yet in production, so we'll make them available to our audience as well. And by working with Adam, we're going to make sure they're available through that IoT forum too. So, so kind of a, a double 
um, chance for you to receive those. So we have um, a write-up and a report of our first webinar. We have a brief white paper on the regulation as well. So for any of you out there that's still feeling a, a little bit murky about it, then we'll be making that available shortly too. But interestingly, um, in the audience, someone did pose the question, and it is just, uh, I think it's just out there, is there anything specific about the fire industry that needs something different to other industries? So I thought I'd quickly ask that as we're talking quite literally <laughs> about how we help people further. Do you think there's anything about the fire industry that needs something different to other industries? Adam, do you, uh, do you want to comment on that one first? I've certainly got my views, but it's probably something I know that, that you and Ashton, it's been very close to, to your hearts throughout the whole of the IOT forum. Certainly. Well, as I just said before, a lot of what we do is defined by members and it's member-led. But I think in answer to the question, the fact that some specific things perhaps are needed, um, I would imagine that being the case in some areas and our task groups and the fact that they're there up and running and working on specific issues from cybersecurity to alarm receiving centres to digital logbooks is perhaps testament to the fact that, yes, extra things may be needed in some areas. But I think, as David might add, that raising the cyber hygiene, which was a new phrase I quite liked, at levels of everyone is equally as important. That, that, that's a good point, Alan. And uh, from my experience working across lots of different industries, so I'm working with the medical industry around medical devices, security industry, um, smart buildings, smart cities, everybody says, oh, we're a bit different. And that's true. There are, there are differences. But what it comes down to is within your particular ecosystem, within the fire industry, there, are, there will be different levels of risk. There's not one single solution that this says, oh, if you're in the fire industry, fit this solution to everything. You've already intimated there, Adam, I think, and we've said, you know, there might be a consumer product here. There might be alarm response center there, there'll be, there may be some systems where you have remote connectivity that enables you to switch circuitry alarms on and off. That's gonna have a far, far bigger impact than remote monitoring that purely pulls data off rather than actually has active uh, control. So there are different factors here. There are solutions for each of those. So I, what I don't see is that the FIA have to reinvent cybersecurity tools and solutions. What I do see is putting together a framework of the different use cases and then using the existing appropriate cybersecurity controls for those particular use cases. That's probably where the FIA IoT forum will bring the best benefit. You don't necessarily need to be a cybersecurity expert. You need to understand more about your own systems and the context they were used. And we can then find the appropriate existing controls rather than reinvent the wheel that match that particular threat analysis. So Adam, does that make sense from your perspective? Adam R, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, that seems to make good sense. It's just about having everyone at that base level, whether you're doing remote monitoring or something in advance of that in the, fu in the future, like a key prerequisite is that your systems are safe and secure and doing the right things and working towards like the BSI kite mark as a proof of that, I'd suggest probably. Uh, exactly. I mean, from our perspective, that's why we have a range of risk profiles. Every product goes through uh, a risk and, and, and threat analysis as part of that. And then we have put it into broad groups of residential, commercial, and enhanced. Um, and then 
but within that, it's all around what is the what is the basically threat model for that particular product and that particular use case. And Adam Taylor Drake, I go to the other Adam this time. From from your perspective, then, when you know, do you see um, a common approach across the ICO product range? The need for different use cases, um, threat analysis. How? Just wondering where where those particular aspects from someone who's going through this right now. What your views are on? Um, the need for where threat modeling fits in and um, different potential use cases across different product types. Yeah, I think um, I think I mentioned this before at the, the last webinar, but um, it's, it, for us it's split, you know, right down the middle. So we've got this, you know, just like every other fire safety manufacturer, we're, we're making a product which is primary use cases to detect fire and CO and alert and, and you know. Save, save lives, that's the goal. Um, all of the IoT connectivity elements just adds value to that process. So in terms of remote monitoring, you know, we're not, nothing that we've done on the IoT side impacts or has any control over the function of the device itself. It's completely isolated. Um, it's like you said, David, it's just pulling off data and um, reporting on the state. But, you know, even saying that, I think I've, I've made this point last time, um, but it goes into kind of what we're getting from the customers, the requirements. It's almost like that's not good enough now. You can't just draw a demarcation line and say, if the IoT system fails, that's fine. Fire alarm still functions, still saves lives. What our customers are saying to us now is that you know they, they want to rely on the remote monitoring. They want they want the same standard of uptime that they might see from someone like AWS or, or you know Microsoft's cloud services, and, um, and 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 so that that just gives us a higher sort of level of there's a higher level of expectation there. So. I think it is it is important to have this joined up uh, approach, but you know, for us, it's the line the lines are starting to blur between what, what what the customer expects in terms of you know when we describe a life safety or life critical device and what's actually delivered as a product. Because you know, if a, if, a, if, a, if a landlord can't see that um, you know all of the devices in their portfolio are approaching the end of their service life, or they can't get notifications that there's an issue, then that's almost almost has a similar level of impact at scale than one or two faulty devices so you know i, I want to be very careful here to say that you know we're not we're not talking about impacting on the life safety element but, but i think that that taking a step back and looking at the whole the whole system and, and not sort of hiding behind that um you know the fail safe approach where we say if the it system is, is affected or it, or it goes down then the system still operates so i think that's that's a that's been a, a big change i've noticed in the industry because uh Traditionally, you know, not my words, but fire safety industry's been, you know, traditionally a bit, bit slow to innovate just because of that life, life safety focus and everything that everything that it does. Um, you know, I think the nearest nearest industry is probably security, where we do see rapid innovation, but they don't have the same life safety uh, responsibility. So, um, yeah, I think it'd be it'd be interesting to see, you know, where where this goes, and I think you know there's going to be more pressure from from the market to to have this sort of resilience built in, not just on the, the connectivity side, but yeah, sorry, not just on the, the core function, but on the connectivity side as well. That's a really interesting point because, again, in my mind, within the fire industry, there was this, okay, if you put a partition here, then it, it doesn't matter so much. But I think key learning point here, and that probably feeds Adam Richardson into how, how our collaborative program is going to work is, there's not a fixed steady state solution goal we're working to. The goalposts are going to continue to change. Um, and that's a very, very good example, Adam Taylor Drake there, in terms of 
customer expectation and, and suddenly seeing the benefits of connectivity needing to rely on it more um, and therefore then the goalposts change slightly. So I think that kind of frames things very well from the BSI and FIA perspective. If we now consider then the goal is enable the FIA to move forward with um, new uh, improved products and services that provide a more cost-effective, pragmatic, um, flexible life protection services around fire and smoke detection in a way that's safe and secure. That being the overall goal, key points then, let's not reinvent the wheel around the cybersecurity tools. Let's look at what the use cases are within the industry and then bring in the appropriate level existing standards, tools, regulations, and well, information of any sort that then suits that particular use case. The next point is though that use case is not going to be a steady state. And to a certain extent, we're going to, this will be an ongoing process to help the industry keep up to date with client demand, client expectations in a way that's safe and secure. So for me, that's almost clarified our mission, Adam, Adam Richardson, over the next six months. I know we've got some events and all that we're already um, talking about and planning through for next year. So um, I'm just going to kind of summarize now um, again from, from our side where we've got to. I think from what I can see, the industry is starting to open up and understand, okay, there seems to be some routes forward here for a safe and secure adoption of these technologies in certain controlled use cases, but still understandably cautious. There are IoT nightmares going on out there on a daily basis, which shows A, that there is a real problem, and B, that there's also a confidence um, issue to overcome here, as Adam Taylor-Drake was saying, one of the reasons for going for independent certification was to give that confidence. Against that background, we don't have all the answers yet. We've got some short-term solutions that say for, um, certainly for products that are in the um, residential type of area and that might stretch across to a commercial operation but still basically residential focused we've got some clear solutions here about what best practice looks like it talks about the device the app the um, cloud level platform the whole ecosystem and we could manage that pragmatically cost effectively there are freely available guides out there and solutions out there for that next step forward is for FIA and BSI to really help shape the overall use cases and the appropriate controls that suits the, the industry going forward collaboratively with the members. And so really a call here for, um, for those out there who are not yet joined the FIA, part of that, to jump on board with this and really to stay engaged, be part of that solution which will help two things. One, make sure it suits your suits your own organizations and goals, and B, it will give you a head start in actually being able to differentiate and prove that best practice. So that's really where it sits from me. Adam Taylor-Drake, first of all, from you, if there's one big takeaway from the audience from the process that you've been through so far, what would you say to them from your lessons learned and, and everything you've been through? What's the one big takeaway for, for the audience from you? 
Um, so to, to prepare for this, I, I did a few kind of informal, just went around the team and, and spoke to some, some people who were involved in the project before I joined and uh, spoke to some of the engineers involved. And uh, a really nice um, thing that they, they, a few of them said actually uh, separately was that um, the observations and recommendations that came out of the car mapping process, but for, for the, this was on the, the software side, um, actually sort of um, fed into a product backlog. So, you know, obviously the, the, any that required immediate uh, attention were, were resolved. And then what they did is they built up this, this product backlog and that's allowed us to have this continuous um, process of, of security updates and, and improvements to the design as we go forward. So that was quite a nice thing because it sort of, you know, part of the kiting market, I think everyone has this, maybe they have a slight fear that it's uh, it's going to change everything about the product. It's going to cost, you know, 10x what they, what they thought it was going to cost. But I think the reality is that, you know, you, you can address the most critical issues and then, you know, over time it gives you a roadmap for, for resolution and how to, maybe if you've got plans for future features, how they can be integrated. Because the worst thing for a manufacturer, right, is to get to the point where you've, you've developed your core system and then you want to add a function to it and you've got to then go back and undo or redo everything you did. So that was that whole thing of, you know, looking forward and building that solid foundation. I keep, keep saying that word solid foundation, but that, that seemed to be the kind of consensus around the team that was involved. Thanks, Adam. And yeah, the, the kite mark process is continuing improvement. It's not about um, a tick bot left, bar to get through, and then we're just checking, are you doing the same thing? It's all around. We're constantly out there looking at what best practice looks like, updating our scheme, updating our testing and assessment, and driving that excellence through. So it does become a continual learning program. And that's the same whether it's traditional fire and smoke detectors, or whether it's connected, or whether it's manhole covers and pipes you know that's been the ethos behind what we're doing is that driving excellence and change within the digital world as you said that's 10x as important that the you know that continual innovation um you know, because basically the, the cyber situation is a war out there there is constant you've got constant development improvements in terms of how you can become more secure and more effective every single one of those is then challenged by an improvement on how um you know bad actors can then um attack so 10 times as important thank you um adam richardson from your perspective i've kind of set things up a little bit there in terms of the expectations of what we're going to do but want to leave you with the, the, the finishing words really from the fia perspective around the purpose of what we've been doing in these two sessions and the and the associate material and, and where you see us going forward as a, as a final word to to the audience certainly well, thank you as you alluded to Joining the forum is the best way of keeping up to date with all of the resources and the conversations that are going on. But it also provides members of the forum, FIA members, the opportunity to give presentations to a group of professionals who are all working on similar things or trying to learn or have done it, like Adam Taylor Drake did well, very well today. And what we'll do with our 30,000 LinkedIn followers is share that and promote that, which is playing its part in educating customers and building that confidence. Of course, BSI's heavy participation, the forum allows us to know where to move next and how best to get our cyber hygiene levels to where they need to be. But then also thirdly, the task groups allow us to work on more in-depth discussions that perhaps more nuanced towards fire in some ways, which can feed into standards, best practice guides or guidance notes. Um, so if you are interested in joining, in joining the FIA IoT forum, I would suggest heading over to the website, the FIA website, and it's on the front page. It's called the FIA and the IoT. And all the resources that we discussed today with David and Emma will be on there. 
as long as I've goals, aims, and how to join. Great, thank you very much. Um, final word from me. Thanks to everyone. Thanks to our panelists today, the two Adams, and um, to all of you for joining us today. And we have a load more activity planned for next year. So please keep in touch with us. And if you have any questions, issues, ideas, concerns, whatever around IoT, please feel free to contact me directly. I'll be delighted to hear from you. So um, that's all from us now. We have, we'll have, as we leave, a final poll, just really checking with you how you want to hear from us. And uh, please do take part in that poll as well. It's very, very important. We understand how best to engage with you all going forward. Um, and thanks, everybody. Stay safe and all the best for 2022. Thank you, David, Adam and Adam and the audience for joining us. Please do download those assets. And yes, I implore you to download those and join the FIA and IoT forum. Thank you so much for joining us.